Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus, do life together, get in the game, and leave a legacy. We hope this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith. Subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now let's get to this week's episode. We are continuing today our series, Love Like Jesus, where we did this series because we really said, what the heck does our world need more of right now? Don't need more money. Well, some of y'all might. We don't need bigger, bigger businesses. We don't need bigger homes. Like when we look at the state of the world right now and what we're saying, it's like, what does the world, it needs more love. I mean, don't you, you can feel the tension and you can feel the, just the, the love of so many people is growing cold towards each other. It's just, the, so we were like, we need, as we're focusing this year on like Jesus, we said, man, we, we, we want to learn to love like Jesus. Because the crazy thing, when Jesus said, the world will know you are my followers, not by how big your house is, not by how much you own, not, not, not by your spiritual gifts. Jesus said, people will know you are my followers by the way you love each other. So we have been diving into how, how in the world do we love more like Jesus, and today we are in part three, and today I want to talk to you about the connection between love and truth. Loving like Jesus with the connection to truth. Jesus himself actually called himself the truth. He said, uh, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You can also see in 1 Corinthians 13, when Paul is describing love, one, one of the characteristics of the definition of love, Paul says that love does not rejoice with injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Paul also said that when you speak the truth, though, it needs to be clothed in hatred. I'm just kidding. That when you speak the truth, say that. He said, when you speak the truth, do it in love. The first, the, the first week we talked on what love is, and when love is talked about in Scripture, it is this Greek word, agape, which is a love attributed to only when it's talking about God's love. And what we said was agape love is, is this continual outward pouring, this, this pouring out this, this, this self-deference, this self-preference love that basically says, I want what is better for you than even what is better for myself. And what we saw in scripture is this is actually who God is, is that there is nothing selfish inside of God, that the only, that Love at its core, if God is love, then love is a continual outgiving, outpouring. And we said this is shown in who God is because God is a trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit in and of themselves for eternity past have been practicing in and of themselves a self-giving, self-deference self love that then God poured onto us and called us to do so. Here's the thing, right? We have defined love, but I think we have a lot harder time defining what the heck truth is. 
especially in our culture. Like, aren't you confused what is truth? I mean, serious, like we are all skeptical. I mean, honestly, you see anything online, the first thing you're checking is that source. Uh, right, Wikipedia. I mean, information overload, which has really produced in us a skepticism towards truth, where, where we almost have adopted this whole thing, there is no truth, there is no absolute truth, your truth is your truth, my truth is what my truth is, I'm not going to judge your truth, don't judge my truth, we'll just be fine with our truth, which saying there's no truth is a truth statement. Like, isn't it insane when someone says there's no absolute truth, that's an absolute truth. Like, we are confused about what in the world truth is. We say things like, live your truth. But what happens when living your truth goes against someone else living their truth? We are confused. We're trying to grasp. We're trying to define what in the world truth is. And really, I think we are confused because we have got a problem deciphering between what is an objective truth and what is, what is a subjective truth. And let me define those quickly for you. The difference between a subjective truth and an objective truth, an objective truth is a factual statement that can be proved true with evidence and research. It's basically something that is true outside of what you think. Like the, here's the thing, the law of gravity doesn't care if you're black, if you're white, if you're Asian. If you're poor, if you're rich, if you're a boy, if you're a girl. The law of gravity is just true because it is what it is. That is an objective truth. And objective truth doesn't care about your feelings. Right? Now, the thing is, though, sub subjective truth is laced with what your preference is, with what your feelings want, with what you want to be true. Like, if I told you, many of you that have been coming to our church for a pretty good while, know I am a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. And that has been a very abusive relationship for over 20 years that I have been in. And if you might not even know the Jacksonville Jaguars, they are an NFL football team. You might have not known that. They are that bad. Some people are shocked that there's even a franchise named the Jacksonville Jaguars. But when I say things like, they are the best team in football, objectively, <laughs> we definitely see that is not a truth statement. That is a preference-laced statement. We all know the objective truth is Tom Brady is the best team in football. And that pains me to say that, but it's, ob it's objectively true. Whatever team he goes to wins. Tom Brady is objectively the best team in football. Now, why I think we're so confused and why we all have literally have this sense of just being confused, and here's what I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm not trying to, like, to be dumb. I'm not trying to oversimplify. What I'm trying to do is to help you feel the tension of what the culture is doing to us, right? to why we can be so confused about truth. And we can, I mean, honestly, aren't you almost at the point of, even with this pandemic, like you don't, like you don't, you don't even know what to believe. Here's the, here's the thing though. We have said during, during this pandemic, things like follow the science. 
which I'm a total believer in. Like, we definitely need to do that. But what happens when somebody's objective truth clashes with somebody's objective truth? Or what happens when, 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 a, clear, when a clear objective truth clashes with somebody's subjective truth? What do, what do we do? So if I were to tell you, and let's say, I'm not, this is an, an oversimplification, but if I was to stand up here and tell you that I am a purple dog, I'm not trying to, like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm trying to, you over, if I said I am a purple dog, objectively, probably everybody in this room would be like, John, yeah, are you okay? John, you are a Caucasian man. But what if I told you that's not my truth? So you, okay, but what, what, a, what, a, that's not what I feel. That's not what I believe. That's, that, that, that's not what I sense. So now you've got an objective truth clashing with somebody's subjective truth. What the heck wins? Can you sense why we're confused? Because this is what we're running into. And why it just feels like nothing is true because everything's true. But the crazy thing is, right, that is that we just aren't confused by culture about what truth is. The crazy thing is, even as people, human beings, we have a proclivity inside of us, which I will explain why, to run from, to suppress, and to distort truth. The culture doesn't just confuse us. We have this ingrained issue that even as people, we will run from, distort, and suppress the truth. Genesis chapter 3, right? Here's the thing. It's so funny. I feel like almost 80% of sermons at Lifehouse, we go to Genesis 3. <laughs> and some, you know, And some of you... Uh, probably like, why? Why do we continually go to Genesis 3? Because if we don't know the root of the problem, we'll never get to the solution. In Genesis 3, here's the thing what I love about the Bible. Let me, let me tell you, right? And some of y'all have been duped thinking it's just a list of rules. It's just a boring book. Like your parents made you read it. You see the size of it, and you're like, oh, my God. I can't get through Genesis. Uh, Genesis is okay. Exodus is kind of weird. Leviticus, you just stop. Why are they telling me to shave my beard? Why are they giving me all these rules about eating? Why are they giving me all these rules about my clothes? And it can just confuse. And some of y'all have that think that this book is just a book of rules, regulations, things you can't do. But y'all, here's the thing. As you grow, you will see this book is a story about the human experience. Because you need to know why the world is the way it is. You need to have a belief system that actually says there is a reason the world is so broken. There is a reason the world is so hurting. There is a reason even inside of you, the stuff you want to do, you can't even do. You've got to have a Genesis. And the thing about Genesis, what it does for us, it it gives us an explanation, I mean the Bible in general, but Genesis specifically helps us to understand and actually deduct why the world is the way it is and why we are the way we are. Because the thing about this, the Bible didn't just happen, the Bible happens. Like, the story of Israel is the story of us. 
So whenever you read that Old Testament, Leviticus makes sense to me because I'm like, God is trying to form and shape a people that looks different than the world around them. He wanted to be their God, so he was like, let me give you some things that will make you different from the world around you. That's why he got all up in their diet. That's why he got all up in their clothing. That's why he got all up in their how they did worship because he wanted to say, as the people of God, this is the way we do things. But the thing about Genesis doesn't just happen, Genesis happens. And in, in, in Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 2, we see God creating the world, creating Adam, Eve, creating marriage, like putting in place structure. And then in Genesis 3, at, at, the, at the top of Genesis 3 in your Bible, it probably says something like the fall, where we have an account of what happened, of what happens when somebody's subjective truth overrides God's objective truth. Let's read it. The serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did, did God, and these are the same things the devil says to you and the devil says to me and the devil is getting our culture with right now. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Because here's the, here's the thing, right? If you go back to Genesis 2, you will actually see God, God gave them so much freedom. Any tree, eat it. But there's one that's mine. There's one that's holy. There's one that is off limits. So, but that's where the devil goes. He says, of course, and, and, and she responds, of course we may eat from the tree in the garden, the woman replied. It's, it's, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat from. God said, you must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And then Satan just like, man, come on, man, you crazy, bro. You won't die? Man, look at that tree. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows. So, he, so then Satan dies. Man, God's holding something back from you. God knows that your eyes will be opened. And little did they know how open their eyes would be. As soon as you eat it, you will be like God. The thing is, they were already like God. God created, God created man and woman in, the, in his image. He said, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. And, and hold on, let me pause here. Because honestly, I think right here, the woman typically gets the bad rap. Like the, the woman, the woman, the woman. Where was Adam? Where was Adam at? Where, where was Adam? You know, definitely at the same, same time, we can see the sin that she did, but also, too, the sin, the thing Adam did is he abdicated his responsibility to say, Eve, look, you know what God said. We're going to follow him. So let's, let's not just blame her. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. I can almost, the thought process of, I deserve this. I want to live my truth. I want to know. She wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit, ate it, and she gave some to her husband who was with her. Punk. And he ate it too. <laughs> right? And he ate it too. He's like, yeah, girl, I don't look good. Ha, let's go. 
And it's, and it's like, then, 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 but see, what was happening here, it was, it was a precedence and pattern of man choosing their subjective truth over God's objective truth. So we, y'all, this is our heritage. This doesn't just happen. This, this happens in relationships. You know God told you not to date that, but he looked good. He gave me ooh, wisdom. I like the fruit he could give. I'm sorry, I knew we were going to go there. Right? Like, relationship. This, this could happen with a job. Man, well, look at the fruit I could give. So this doesn't just happen. This happens. We got to stop looking at the Bible as being some ancient book that just doesn't relate to us. It exposes us. Israel, 40 years in the desert. Should have taken them like four days. Wandering. Stubborn. Ignorant. Welcome to Lifehouse. We love you. We're glad you're here today. Right? Now, honestly, it's going to get more encouraging, I think. So here's the thing, right? That is our heritage. But then you have, we even have, have this proclivity to suppress truth. This is what Paul, Paul says, Romans 1. He says, who suppress the truth. He's talking about people. He said, people who, um, people who disobey God and, buy, and who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Essentially saying the more you do something, the less clear truth becomes. Where the more you do something that you know in inside of your heart, mind, soul, and conscious, and that you know God's word says the more you do it, the less loud the voice of truth is. Well, you can suppress the truth. How many of you have, you know you've done that. You hear that voice and you're like, just get away from me. But also, too, Paul, in 2 Timothy, he says this, that for a time is coming when people will, will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth. So what Paul was saying here is that there will be people who will gather around them what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. So, y'all, we got an issue. Culture is confusing the heck out of us. We have a proclivity inside of us to run from, to suppress the truth. So now what the heck do we do as followers of Jesus? Thank God that as followers of Jesus, we do not have to wonder where truth begins. And that is one of the greatest gifts that God gives us, is that in the confusion we sense, in the inward proclivities we feel, Jesus comes and he says, like I said, I am the way, I am the truth. And the crazy thing is, when I was checking this word truth out within the Greek language, the first, the, the first bold meaning or definition, it said objective. So it was basically Jesus saying, outside of what you believe, outside of what you feel, Outside of what you think, Jesus is making an objective truth claim, saying, I am the truth. Now, for a, for a little while, I looked at that as Jesus being this egomaniac. Like, oh, he's got some pride. I am the truth. Huh. I'm the way and I'm the life. But the more... I dug, the more I dug into it and the more I examined what I need and how messed up I am, the more I see Jesus saying, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am 
the life was an act of love. Where he wasn't saying, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. I can see Jesus like, yo, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. I'm telling you, any way outside of me leads towards yourself. It leads towards death. It leads towards eventually a path towards where you are completely self-centered. Even the good you do is self-centered. So if you need a truth that you can live by, a reference point that you can actually live from, then I can see Jesus saying, I am the way. I can see his eyes full of love. I can see his, I, I, I can just hear his tone of one of, you, no one's going to love you the way that I love you. No one's going to give you what I give you. No one's going to give you more grace, forgiveness, and hope, and joy, and peace, and kindness than me. I see it not as this egomaniac. I see it as this father pleading with his children, please, I know what's best. And the and the thing is, too, y'all, we've got to actually see no other big religious leader has ever made that truth claim. Ever. Muhammad didn't come and say, I am the truth. Buddha didn't say, I am the truth. The 300 million Hindu gods, none of them were like, I am the truth. Jesus is unique in history because Jesus doesn't say, go over there, go over there. He says, I, I am the truth. So now we have to make a decision how we're going to view Jesus. And let me tell you what you will be tempted to do is you will be tempted to view Jesus as a subjective truth instead of an objective truth. Let me tell you what happens in our culture. We like to live by subjective truths, what we feel and what we want. And what we will be tempted to do is to take Jesus, who said he is an, an objective truth, and bring him down and form him and shape him to be what we want him to be instead of what he actually is. And we will take an objective truth and submit it to our subjective truth, and we make Jesus what we want him to be instead of what he actually is. We are not called. He is not called to conform to us. He is not called to conform to what we want him to be. We are called to submit the subjective truths that we feel that we want and lay them before him and say, if you are the reference point for where truth is, what truth will be, then I need to submit whatever subjective truth, which honestly, our subjective truths are laced with sin. Even your feelings are fallen. Your feelings are fallen because, here's the thing, unless you submit them to Jesus, the truth, then you'll consistently live by subjective truth that you feel and that you want, and you're doing what Paul said, what you want instead of what you actually need. So Jesus offers us lovingly. Here's the thing. Jesus' agenda is love. When he says, I am the truth, he's saying no one will love you. No one will tell you what you need more than I will because I know your genesis. I know where you came from, and I came to deal with the exact same thing that you have the biggest need of, and that is to be delivered from yourself and delivered from your sin. And the thing, of, the thing about truth is when you accept truth, here, here's the thing. Where there is no truth, there is no freedom. Jesus himself, and you know this verse. Movies say it. Songs say it. I, what, 
I think we were watching a, a cartoon yesterday, my boys and I, and even, this car, and even this cartoon said it, and I was like, Jackson, that's what I'm preaching about tomorrow. It said, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then he said this, then you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? It'll set you free. I want you to, I don't know if you got to write this down or you got to put it in your phone notes or if you got to tattoo it on your arm or, but this is so important. Where there is truth, there is freedom. Jesus brings freedom, but also practically, some of you are bound because you won't acknowledge what the truth actually is. And you're running from it. Like some of you continually say, I don't have a relationship problem. But the pattern is hook up, shack up, break up. Hook up, shack up, break up. Hook up, shack up, break up. So you are denying the truth of your, because the truth is not what you want it to be. The truth is what is. And your patterns are telling on you. So there will, some, some of y'all, I got no financial problem. Man, I'm good. Credit card debt trying to buy stuff to impress people you don't even like, to hold a certain image in front of people so you can think you got it together when the fact is you are, the truth is you're flat broke. And you will not find freedom in your finances until you acknowledge the truth. Some of you have, your marriage is hurting. Hurting. And the fact is you won't just acknowledge the truth that it is hurting. And because you won't allow truth in, there will be no freedom. I told y'all this, this story progressively, but just how Kristen and I last March, like we went into a season where we finally had to acknowledge the truth. Things were not good. Pastor John, I thought y'all were perfect. Nope. <laughs> Plenty of issues. But honestly, whenever the world shut down back in, back, can you believe we're coming up on one year when the world shut down? It feels like 10. But we hit a point last March where we looked at each other. We said, we don't have the tools in our toolbox to deal with what we're dealing with. We had past baggage, past patterns. And we had just been going along, acting like it was all good. Stuff would flare up. But, you know, you got busy, so you'd push it down. Things would flare up. We got kids. Things would flare up. Let's just get one night away. Things would, you know, and we were just essentially suppressing what the truth actually was is that we got issues. And in March... We finally said, we can't do this no more. We are not going to find freedom until we acknowledge the truth that we got issues. And by the grace of God, a year later, once we started acknowledging the truth, not just with us corporately, but with us individually, the amount of freedom that God has given, I, I, I just don't know how else to say it. it's a miracle. We were talking with our, our counselor on Thursday of last week, and I was just telling her, ma'am, it's a miracle. <laughs> I can't believe what God has done. But it started. It started. It started with truth. What truth are you suppressing? Are you deflecting? Are you denying that if you accepted it, it would put you on a path towards freedom.
But let's just be candid. The truth will set you free, but it'll hurt you first. And that's, that's the hard part, y'all, is we don't want that pain because why we even dwell in bondage is because of pain. I've come to see sin as pain management. A lot of people stay in patterns of sin because of pain. They don't want to acknowledge the pain. It's like they would rather take medicine for years instead of having surgery to fix the problem. And y'all, God's desire for you is freedom, y'all. Like his desire for you. I came to give you life and life abundantly. Like he said, I, I, I want you to live free. Even Paul said, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So it's not that it's not available. It's that so many people aren't willing to take him up on it. Because it requires you to acknowledge the truth. What truth are you, have you been denying, running from, or suppressing that you know if you acknowledged it would put you on the path to freedom? My prayer today is that you would be sick and tired of sick and tired. You'd be sick and tired of living in bondage and, and acting like you're not really got a problem. It started when Kristen and I acknowledged we had a problem. And that was the truth. And that has led to freedom we never thought was possible. But the thing is this, it's not just the truth you need to receive. What truth do you need to tell someone? Because I, I think if we're completely serious, you have people in your life right now, whether it's finances, whether it's relationships, the list could go on, whether it's a job, that literally, 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 you know exactly what the truth is, but you're too scared to tell them. And their freedom is going to be related to somebody speaking truth to them. But let me tell you this. Jesus got killed for speaking truth. It's hard to speak truth. The fact of the matter, 70 times scripture says, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. You see that 70 times in the... In, in the Gospels, before he started a parable, before he started a teaching, he said, I tell you the truth. And even Jesus standing before Pilate, like he was about to die. And Jesus said this, anyone on the side of truth is with me. And even Pilate, this rope, he said, what is truth? Brother didn't even know. He said, anyone on the side of me chooses truth. But let me ask you this, who in your life is going to continually walk in bondage because you won't have the courage to tell them the truth. And the thing is this, the truth this doesn't hurt somebody, it can hurt you to tell it. But there's also a price to pay if you don't tell it. What price do you want to pay? What price do you want to pay? Because there's a price either way. There's a price to not telling it, and there's a price to telling it. The fact is, what kind of price do you want to pay? My prayer is that we would be a church that has a receptivity to and tolerance for truth. Because, y'all, we will not see freedom unless we have a receptivity and tolerance for it. I do not want it to be said about me. He only put 
around him what he wanted to hear instead of what he needed to hear? Do you have people around you that you know will tell you the truth, not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear? Are you the kind of person that will be, uh, that will be around somebody and tell them what they need to hear instead of what they want to hear? Because y'all, here's the thing, that, but here's the thing, that is what Jesus offers us. But when he does it, he does it in love. And that's the thing. If you're going to tell someone truth, you need to cloak that joint in love. Because honestly, if you're doing sur- surgery, right, you don't, you don't go in there with an axe. <laughs> let, me, let me do some surgery, buddy. No, it's like you, you got to put them, to, you know, there's a process for doing surgery. There's a process for healing. There's a process to to, to get to the root healing. And that is why I want to, yes, be a truth speaker, but do not do it unless your heart, your spirit, and your mind is right, and you know what's going to be clothed in love. Spouses, you know, you, I got, yeah, that's right, Pastor John. I'm going to go home and tell my spouse everything that, yeah, truth. Yes. You a punk. You selfish. You mean. Take a pause. Let's everyone chill out. So take it back in. You better clothe that joint in love. And how you clothe that joint in love is you understand what the Lord gives you first. He gives you, he, 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 he told his truth in love. He did not stay in heaven like, you suck, you're terrible. He said, I'm going to come down and live like you. He said, Hebrews 4, he was tempted and every, he was empathetic to everything we walked through because he's been there. Even Jesus, even the truth of God. Jesus was the truth of God, but he said he came full of love and truth, grace and truth. So church family, Lifehouse family, my prayer, can, can we get a keyboard up just so I can close? For the love of God, because we got to close. But I pray that we would be people who love like Jesus, but know that love will lead to truth and the direction of truth will ultimately lead to freedom. So here's the thing, right? Three questions today that I would like for you to process. Can we put those up? So three truths today, or three questions today to help you process things. First off, what truth are you not telling somebody that could ultimately lead to their freedom? That's, that's the first one. Secondly, are there specific areas in your life where you are believing a subjective truth over God's objective truth and putting what you want and feel over what God says is best? And lastly, what areas of your life are you running from denying or suppressing God's Lifehouse fam, my prayer for us is that we would be a people that tolerate truth. Don't run from it. Don't suppress it. But say, God, your agenda is love. I, I receive it. But also, too, then I want to be a giver of truth as well. Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard, or say yes to Jesus, please reach out to us at LifehouseNN.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next step in your faith journey. 
In the meantime, we hope you'll join us online next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at lifehouseonline.com or in person for a live worship service at 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. at the Kiln Creek Regal Theater in Newport News, Virginia. Visit lifehouseinn.com for more information or to RSVP for a live service.